0: Welcome to another edition of the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer, along with Adam Sparks and John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Guys, uh, used to be, right around this time of year, really be gearing up for National Signing Day, you know, first Wednesday in February. Well, National Signing Day doesn't mean what it used to. Most programs do most of their signings in December, and then you have the transfer portal season around Christmas and January, and feels like uh, the recruiting calendar is, is almost over. Adam, I know you wrote a story recently. 18 guys for Tennessee are already enrolled in the winter semester. Now, that includes a handful of walk-ons, but... I think that that eighteen early enrollees just sort of goes to show you, right? Like recruiting has changed, and and now it's sign them in December and get them enrolled.
1: Yeah, I mean this is a new era. Um, you know it wasn't too many years ago you'd see like a couple of midterm signees. And those were junior college guys; so they were transfers. And now if you're, you know, if you're a if you're a high school player and you go to your prom, then maybe you weren't very good because you should already be in college in January. <laughs> Uh, a lot of these guys are high school kids. There are obvious benefits to it. You go through spring practice. I think probably even more so winter workouts because usually you see these guys' bodies transform in the first, you know, nine months on campus. So the guys that are already there are going to be a little more game ready in terms of their bodies when they get to September and August and preseason camp. Um, some of them doesn't really make that much difference because they're just not at a position where they're going to make much difference. They're uh, – they're just not good enough early on, but but it, it it can make a difference in some instances, and I think there's certainly a few guys in this class, especially the fact that Tennessee does have some depth issues at a number of positions, and we already know the roster is going to be trimmed a little bit, just like it was last
0: year. I want to get, a, get into some of these early enrollees here in, in just a minute, but first, John, you got some historical perspective on this. I, I mentioned that the February signing period really is not that big of a deal anymore, but When did the February signing period, as you recall, start to become like a main event? You know, like over time, recruiting has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. When did you see like recruiting and signing day in February really start to kind of arrive
2: on the scene and start commanding a lot of media attention? I go back to the mid 80s. I mean, in in some ways, it's always been more important, it seems, in the SEC than anywhere else, because SEC fans probably care more about football than anywhere else. But I was a columnist in Jacksonville in the mid 80s. And on a February signing date, Emmett Smith, a pretty good running back from the panhandle there in Florida, was much recruited, thinking they were right in their valuation of him. He became a Hall of Famer. Anyway, so everybody wanted to know about that. The phone did not stop ringing on our sports desk, it was constant, it never stopped because they're waiting to hear about Emmett Smith. And I don't even remember who else was in close contention, if anyone was in close contention with Florida. That was kind of a watershed moment for me, was the Emmett Smith. I I can't remember anything that compared to that at other places. Uh, When I was in uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, or even even Baton Rouge, it was that Jacksonville, Florida moment when, when Emmett Smith was out there.
0: We'll see if uh, Tennessee's signing class includes any Emmett Smiths, but uh, <laughs> be that as it may, Adam, you're, you're our resident expert here on Tennessee recruiting. So let's do this. Fans are always interested in who's going to be the high impact or, or the, the quick impact guy out of a signing class. So let's start with offense. And do you got a an early enrollee who could be a quick impact guy for Tennessee's offense in 2022? In running
1: back, Justin Williams would be my pick. You guys know it's hard for me to commit to one answer a lot of times, and I've got a longer list of, of guys that it could be. But, but, but I think Justin Williams, the running back, should be near the top of the list, if not at the top of the list on offense. Uh, that's a guy that they beat out Auburn for. Um, he's a four-star running back. He's different than what they have. Um, he's six foot two oh five, but he's got really good speed. He doesn't look like Jabari. Jabari Small is more of a you know grind it out, get six yards type of guy, and that worked really well. And I think it'll probably work uh, well this next year. Uh, Jalen Wright, as a freshman this past year, is a little bit more of a dynamic runner. Both those guys are somewhat undersized. Uh, Justin Williams is not. It's strange that the the new guy, uh, the freshman, is going to be the guy with size they need at least three running backs. If you look back at last year, Small was the starter. Ty and Evans, when he was here, he's now transferred to Louisville, but when he was here, he split time with Jabari Small, and then Jalen Wright was number three, and he was the number two later in the year after Evans left. If you look at those, the tertiary um, level of running backs, so if you go beyond Small and Evans, that was Jalen Wright, Leneeth Whitehead, Marcus Pierce. Those three guys combined for 149 carries this past season. So, somebody's going to carry the load besides the top two guys. That may be because of injuries. That's what it was a lot this past year with small and Evans. Uh, that may be just trying to split the load a little bit for one reason or another, three guys are going to carry the ball and coming in. Justin Williams is probably going to have to beat out like a, like a whitehead or a Pierce or one of those guys. And they, they just need help. He's different and they'll need a third guy and i think he could be the third guy and i think there's the desire for Justin Williams to be the third guy and the fact that he's here now in january is going to get him plenty of reps in uh, in spring practice i don't think he's going to be like their number one running back but but i could easily see him get having a uh, an impact uh, on the offense in his first year
2: you know we hear a lot about four and five stars sometimes i think it helps when when you hear the four stars from texas I mean, Texas is so renowned for high school football, and there's so many great running backs that have come out of Texas, quarterbacks now too. But I don't know, you think of them as playing a higher level of competition, and, and it might make the transition to SEC football a little bit easier for those guys. We're talking about the transition. I think the position you
0: play can sometimes help too. I think that transition from being high school offensive lineman to sec offensive linemen i think that can be a little bit harder than maybe high school wide receiver or high school running back to college wide receiver or running back i will say the, the one thing that it seems can can trip up freshman running backs is that pass protection uh you know they don't always have to do a lot of that in, in high school they're out there running routes or you know, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they're five off the line and provide plenty of pass protection. And, and you see that sometimes in college guys, you know, these running backs are like, oh, I, I got to do pass protection. Now, the good thing in this system and Josh Heupel, it's, you know, not only is the tempo quick between plays, I feel like the whole thing is designed around getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands relatively quickly. So I think it puts a little bit less pressure on running backs to pass protect than maybe in Jeremy Pruitt's system is a little slower to develop and then Jared Garantano made it even slower to develop because he wasn't exactly a quick decision-maker in, in the pocket. That, that seems to have changed. So, yeah, I, I like the, the chances there to, to have a, an early-impact freshman at, at running back. And, and as you said, Adam, some of this is, is based on need, too. When you look at that depth chart and you're like, well, since he's got a couple running backs, and Jabari small and Jalen Wright, but you really need three. And so sort of a combination, I guess, of what he brings combined with, with need, really when it comes to to Williams
1: they run a lot of zone read stuff and every running back in high school now is familiar with zone read and you know the onus there is much on hinden hooker as anybody you know he's doing the rpos he's doing the zone read that running back needs to have a pocket open in his belly take it and go and um you know so there's going to be opportunities there if you look at a lot of the other guys on offense I jotted down Squirrel White, Marquarius White, and Caleb Webb. Those are two wide receivers that I could see playing a part. But if you look at Josh Hopple's offense, usually he only goes three deep in, uh, in the rotation of wide receiver. Even though a lot of guys get a chance to get on the field, the fact that they run up-tempo, you usually have three guys out there that get most of the catches, and the fourth, fifth, sixth guy you know, only get a little bit of time. So I don't know if a wide receiver necessarily um, has a good chance offensively to get out there. I wanted to pitch out one more uh, on offense. Gerald Mincy, Florida transfer, you know, he didn't play much at Florida. played a little bit at offensive tackle, was mostly on special teams, extra point team and all that. So so he's not a guy that's been proven in the SEC, but he he can play at this level. And this is another need. Tennessee doesn't have a right tackle that they know for sure they can can rely on. Dane Davis is back. It's a possibility. He was the guy at the end of the year um, in the bowl game uh, when Cade Mays didn't play. Jeremiah Crawford, who came in as a late junior college transfer this last year, they, they think he's promising. So there are some possibilities there. But if if you looked at the bowl game, you said they've got to upgrade at right tackle or their, their guys returning have to be better. Gerald Mincy at least can play right tackle. So it'll be three or four people in the mix in spring practice unless they add somebody in the transfer portal. So not necessarily that Mincy is an immense talent, but he could fill a need on the offensive side because they have to get another tackle.
2: Do you think this is uh, this offense is, is easy to break into for newcomers, transfers, JUCO guys, or, or even a freshman?
1: Well, I mean, it depends on the position. I don't think necessarily offensive line is. Part of that's the tempo. Part of that's the scheme. I don't think quarterback is for sort of the same reasons. Um, but I, I think skilled guys. Um, I, I mean, I think that's across the board. Running backs and wide receivers, Blake mentioned this before, it's a little easier for those guys to get in and sort of learn a role pretty quickly. It depends on your football IQ. I mean, Caleb Webb, one of the guys I mentioned before, a freshman uh, that's now here, he's already enrolled 6'3", 190, looks sort of like a Cedric Tillman. And so that probably hurts his chances of getting on the field early because Tillman is coming back, but he's a 4.0 student and, and really, really smart kid. And so maybe that's a guy that can learn the offense pretty quickly and, uh, and, and make an impact early on. But, yeah, skilled guys, I think any offense, but especially this one, skilled guys can get in. And and since you're in a rotation, it's just different. Offensive line, that's five guys. Occasionally you'll see a sixth or seventh, but it's five guys. Quarterback, it's one guy. Wide receiver and running back, you can have a small role and get into the rotation. You don't have to be the guy every down, so it's a little different.
0: Of course, the the highest rated enrollee in, in here early is, is Addison Nichols, the, the four-star yeah. interior Offensive lineman. I know we were talking before the podcast, Adam. You said probably a guy that that can crack the the two deep, maybe as an interior lineman, and 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 somebody else that's just by nature of the position, eyeballs are going to be on it as as we look at the offense here. Is, is the four star quarterback signee Taven Jackson? What type of opportunity do we think he has? to be the backup quarterback. Because I think it would come as something of a shock. If Hinton Hooker's healthy, he's not out there taking the first snap. I mean, the, the way he played this season, coming back for for a super senior year, right, like there's there's no quarterback controversy going into the spring. Uh, and it's probably been a while since Tennessee could, could say that, that there's not much uh, drama as it pertains to the starting quarterback position going into a spring. But when it comes to that backup spot between, you know, Jilton who comes back or – Josh Heupel's first, uh, high school quarterback signee here at Tennessee and Taven Jackson, what's his opportunity look like, you know, to, to, to be, to be the guy behind him and hooker.
1: It sort of depends on the circumstances. Joe Milton is your backup. He hasn't jumped into the transfer portal, which tells me he feels at least stable in that position, or maybe even thinks long-term after hooker's gone, he could have a chance, a second chance to start, but, but Joe Milton's your backup. I mean, for all that we've, uh, criticized Joe milton on there's worse backups I think at this level um he he did start three games all the jokes about his arm and overthrowing guys he is accurate with uh you know 15 yards or under he can run it a little bit he can run the offense well enough so if it's finish a game guy that's Joe milton if it's hitting hookers get a hamstring problem and you need one guy to start one game Joe milton's your guy if knock on wood there was some you know catastrophic injury to Hinton Hooker early in the season and you need a guy to start the last nine games or something then maybe that's a Taven Jackson uh, situation where you then have to get the n- new guy ready I'm sure the plan would be Taven Jackson is your starter after Hinton Hooker is gone and not necessarily Joe Milton or it could be a transfer but Taven Jackson it will get a good look of whether or not he's ready sooner than later. He doesn't have to be ready this year, and it's a wonderful situation for him because he can sit and watch Hinton Hooker for a year. He doesn't have the pressure of even being the backup because Joe Milton's there, and he can develop over time, and, and the best-case scenario, if he's your starter as a redshirt freshman or sophomore, you know, a, a year and a half from now.
2: John, guy going to sit and watch and develop? I, I think it would be interesting, though, based on what Adam is saying, you would want to protect uh, Taven Jackson's uh, redshirt but i wonder if you get out and you're beating uh Akron 45 to 3 going into the fourth quarter would you want to give some snaps to the uh to the freshman or do you want to just put Joe Milton out there because he's the number 2 guy how do you think they would manage that adam
1: uh, I, oh i think i think you put milton in i mean it depends on what the situation is again are we talking about a late season game where you've dropped a couple you should have won but you actually lost and you know this is going to be a seven and five, six and six year. Then let's get Taven Jackson ready. If it's hey, we could go nine and three. Then hey, get Joe Milton out there, get him some snaps because if Hendon Hooker does go down late in the year, you need the number two to come in and continue to win games because this is going to be a a good team, a bowl team, and then some. Um, So it really depends on when you're talking about in the season Uh, you could, you could play Taven Jackson up to four games and still retain his red shirt. Yeah. I I mean, I like guys waiting. It's I I know that's not how things go right now, but I do think Taven Jackson comes in understanding that. So I don't think he's a guy that's necessarily going to say, where's my snaps? Where's my reps? You know, he can, he can read the depth chart and he sees the starters gone after this year and then it's wide open. And I think he can, Wait long enough for there, but this is—I mean, this is an opportunity. This season coming up, if you play your cards right, you can have a really good year, and so you need your best quarterback out there. And I think starting off, Joe Milton is your best quarterback if Hendon Hooker is not out there.
0: See, I would just in this era, I'd be so worried about the transfer portal. And I know it's—it's it's tough to coach that way of what's a guy going to do after the season, but if you think the guy is going to be your guy the following year, and I've seen enough to, of Joe Milton to know that he's not going to be Tennessee's guy. Uh, if they can avoid it at starting quarterback, I just don't see how they go back down that well. Um, you know, if you need him to finish out a game, I get that, but I'd be worried about you know what a, what a guy thinks sitting a, a year because you know maybe Taven Jackson's not like this, but I think in today's era, boy, guys, they they don't seem to have much patience anymore. They want to know if I'm not the guy this year, I got to know I'm going to be the guy next year, or, or I'm going to go somewhere where I think I will be the guy, or. Where they're telling me uh, that I will be the guy, maybe maybe that's not true, but that's what they're telling me.
2: It it changes the way you handle freshmen, I, I would think, but but maybe not. I wonder, Blake, if with Taven Jackson, if he if he doesn't play much, though, I wonder how how highly sought after he would be. I mean, I know he's a four star quarterback, but still, if he's not playing, it's easy to forget a guy when he comes in as a freshman. He's not playing. If he's not sure he's going to be have a really good shot at the number one job when Hooker leaves, even if he had wander, a wandering eye, I, I don't know how sought after he would be. Maybe he would, but I just think you can get lost in that situation.
1: And I guess it goes both ways, guys, because I mean, I like the idea of Milton, as we said, finishing a game to get a win, but. It's not just that Taven Jackson needs to know that he's the heir apparent, so to speak, but I guess Tennessee also needs to know what they have. Uh, You can tell a lot from what's going on in practice and spring game or whatever. You know, at the end of the season, they're going to need to know, hey, I think Jackson's our guy and Milton will then be our backup. I'm talking about the 2023 season. But if you're not sure about that, then you've got to go into the portal to get a potential starter or a guy that can compete with Taven Jackson and or Joe Milton to be your starter. So I guess there is a an argument to make that Tennessee would need to see Taven Jackson, you know, play four or five, six quarters in some games, in some college games to see how he reacts, just to, just to know where you stand once the portal opens up, uh, you know, in December or whatever, 11 months from now.
0: We've talked about a, a lot of the the offensive guys uh, changing gears. Adam, how, how about um, you know, one or two guys on on defense that you think might be able to to step in and, and fill an early need, be a, a quick impact guy here out of this uh, this group of early enrollees?
1: Yeah, uh, D. Williams. Uh, he's listing Desmond Williams, but they usually call him D. D. Williams. I think is the obvious guy um, for a number of reasons on defense. He's a cornerback. If you look at need, uh, that's where they've got one because Elante Taylor went into the draft. He's not coming back. There were some issues with Warren Burrell, uh, I think, near the end of the year. There's some limitations, I think. there. That's a returning starter that you have, but there are some limitations, and that showed up in the, uh, in the bowl game. I mean, you, you've got other options there. Kamal Haddon, Brandon Turnage. But all these guys are unproven. You're hoping at least one if not two of those guys step forward because the past defense was I mean we, we, again we saw the secondary without Alante Taylor uh, against Purdue in the bowl game and that did not look like a secondary to me that could hold down some good passing offenses in the SEC next year so D Williams is a corner he you know he looks the part their hope is that he's a guy that can cover man uh, because Alante Taylor was a good sec corner but he was better in zone he was not he was not a press man type guy so they need a press man type guy d williams is very good sort of a ball hawk uh, plays the ball well had seven interceptions this past year in junior college uh, was third or fourth ranked junior college corner in the country he's a guy that's going to get picks. He's the guy that will go up and take balls away from wide receivers. You know, the joke is always that you play defensive back because you couldn't catch as a wide receiver. It's the opposite for him a little bit. He looks like a wide receiver. That's trying to, that's trying to play corner. Uh, it's a balls up in the air. He's going to catch it. Um, and he did that all through junior college. You know, I mean, I, I know a lot of listeners remember Carl Pickens. That's who I grew up watching. And, and that type of guy that you can play him either side. And this guy's also a really good, uh, a really good putt returner so maybe that's a little dale carter if i'm making those comparisons early 90s but um a guy that can go up and get the ball and that's who d williams is they've got to have turnovers and he's a guy that can do it
2: i guess i underrated that uh that addition to the team if, if he's a combination dale carter and carl pickens <laughs> he'd play anywhere he play him wants playing both ways right don't, John? D- yeah don't let him off the field
0: John, we're, we're talking about quick impact freshmen. I'm curious what you think on this. You know, normally around this time of year, this is this is what we're thinking about as signing day comes and goes. It's it's which of these freshmen can contribute early, because although coaches want those, you know, they, they got to sign some of those sign and develop guys. You know, from our view here in the cheap seats, it's like who's going to step onto the field on day one. But I'm wondering how you think the transfer portal not just at Tennessee, but kind of across the country, affects the opportunity for freshmen to contribute in year one. Because I could see it going both ways. On the one hand, sort of as I was alluding to earlier, if you sit a freshman and don't give him much time, you're risking that he's going to jump in the portal at the end of the season. On the other hand, if you have some needs that need to be addressed, you don't just have to do it with freshman signees anymore. You can go out and and cherry pick some some transfers. I know in Tennessee's case, you know, they're having to be pretty selective, you know, with with some of the limitations they have in terms of how many scholarship guys they can they can have. But just generally speaking, do you think this immediate eligibility of transfers impacts the opportunity for freshmen to contribute
2: early? Oh, I think it does. Why risk a freshman if you know you can bring in a guy that's proven? I think it also impacts junior college players because they're there's some hits with JUCO guys, but there are also a lot of misses. I mean, I, I don't know if you would say that Tyne Evans, running back, he was really Tennessee's best running back last year, junior college transfer, but he only played half the season, if that. And he might have rushed for 800, 900 yards if he'd have been healthy, but he didn't stay and he, he left after the season. Uh, I think he might be a might've been better off if you could have picked done what Alabama did. Alabama picked up Georgia tech running back Jameer Gibbs who rushed over 700 yards, caught a bunch of passes. So to me, that that's a good indicator right there. If you can get a guy like that, why and and there's the academic, there's more of an academic risk with a junior college player. Um, And I think there's some with a, even with a a freshman recruit, but if if a guy has stayed eligible for a couple of years and a transfer, you think he will be okay in that regard. I think it affects it tremendously. And I know Tennessee's in a different position because of its scholarship limitations. It's trying to keep its numbers down and make a good impression on the on the NCAA. However, maybe after spring, uh Tennessee still might have some openings and I don't rule out at all. I know December's a big transfer month and January is a big transfer month, but I I don't rule out the possibility of Tennessee getting somebody after spring practice. It might be a DB, which a position of need, and it can always use a wide receiver. And it, pro- it could use another running back, for that matter, if you can get a proven transfer. And sometimes after spring practice, guys have a a different outlook on what their future is with that program where they are now.
1: I think the prevalence of the transfer portal has really made the conversations between position coaches and players more critical than it's ever been before, because I think this is a case by case basis where some players will say I'm here and I'm here for the long haul and I understand how this goes. And my high school coach and my dad, and whoever said just stay in it and you're going to get your opportunity. And then a lot of the players as we see, are I'm here now, but I could be gone tomorrow. What do you have for me here? And I'm not even talking NIL money. I'm talking about playing time. You know, in a lot of depth chart boards, you'll see sort of like this in college football programs around the country. They'll sort of had two types of players. They'll have the plug and play guy, and they'll have the developmental guy. The, the plug and play guy is not necessarily better than the plug than the developmental guy. They're just different sorts. They're on different timetables, uh, usually with offensive linemen. Most of those guys that come in as freshmen, you say, well, that's a red shirt guy. Now he may be phenomenal, but he's just he's a developmental guy. He's going to take time and we all understand that. I, th- I think you're not going to have those two categories necessarily. I think it's going to be more of these are the patient guys and the column two is impatient guys. And you almost have to know that as a coach of who are the guys that we got to give a taste of the lineup to to keep them here because they're impatient and they want to see, that they're going to play and they want results and um, you, you got to tease them just enough to keep them interested. So they don't jump in the portal. And then you've got the patient guys who, when they talk to their position coaches, they say, I, I understand the lay of the land. I'm here for the long haul. I want to play, but if I don't play, like we're talking about Taven Jackson, if I don't play in the first few games and another, another guy's in front of me, I, I understand. And I'll wait my turn. There's going to be less of those guys, patient guys, uh, as the years go on and more guys jump into the portal, but the pendulums could swing the other way. I just think the communication is so important now for those assistant coaches to know who they have and the patience level of each player.
0: Adam, do you have a sense? I know Tennessee is not, you know, spelling out exactly the the number of scholarships it's it's going to reduce in the twenty twenty two season. Uh, the self imposed. Uh, reduction, But do you have a sense for whether Tennessee has some room maybe after spring practice to add another transfer or, or two based on, on, on need? Is there some wiggle room there, do you think?
1: Isaiah Nair, he changed his mind at the last minute went to Texas. You know they had a spot there, so they could just fill that spot uh, with another wide receiver or somebody else. You know, they've lost more than they've gained in the portal. And so every time you see a couple more guys, and we've seen a couple guys at last week that have jumped into the portal – Every time you lose a guy, there's a potential to to uh, fill that spot. I still think the roster count is going to be in the 70s. I've heard 80, I've heard 72, 73. It was in it was like 71 to 73 last year, depending on which time you checked into the roster during the season. I think it's probably still going to be in the 70s. Yeah, they can't talk about it. Uh, and Blake, you and I sat in the chancellor's office uh, recently and tried to. Poke at her a little bit to get an answer, and obviously she can't. And every time you ask somebody over there, they look over at their um, advisor or their attorney or whoever else is in the room and say, "And they say, don't answer that (laughs) because it is an active NCAA investigation, so they can't say what roster reductions they may or may not have." I Asked Josh Heupel in his office the other day for a number of stories I'm doing on his uh, one-year anniversary, and I laid it out. Of I understand you can't talk about roster numbers. But in terms of looking into the portal, what's your philosophy right now in your situation? Look into the portal. And he said, very, very selective. The word is selective. And, you know, that's code for what they're going through right now, because some teams can use the portal for depth. Other teams, if you trim off just five, seven, eight scholarships that going to the portal for depth turns into going into the portal for a starter. And so when they go and get, get a guy in the portal, they say this guy needs to start in this position or this guy needs to be in this package. We're getting him for this specific job. And if you can't fill it, we don't want him because we don't have room for You have hits and misses. They have no room for misses in the portal. And so each guy that you see that they pick up, they have a They have a job in mind right, right away. And that's it's a little more so with Tennessee because the roster numbers in a lot of the schools in the SEC.
0: All right, John, Adam, and I are not going to be going into the, the portal. We're going to stay right here, and uh, you can trust that we'll be back with you throughout uh, the offseason, and uh, for all the coverage as as Tennessee gears up here for, for spring practice in a couple months and then also wraps up this recruiting and uh, transfer under here, you can uh, find that uh, over at knoxnews.com, and we thank you for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.